Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast feed, and I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of Spotlight Star Wars as we move through the galaxy, finding little nuggets in the stars, in those wars, that we love. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. It's been a tough time around the world lately, right? We all need to relax. We all need to uh, find the simple joys in life. I took last week off. Glad to be back. Two weeks ago, I released the 50th edition of Spotlight Star Wars with my top 50 things I love about Star Wars. And you guys uh, took to that episode in a way that humbles me. And uh, I'm very happy to share those moments with you. And the response was great. And a lot of you shared your own moments, uh, wanted to join in with your own lists. And I loved it. You guys are great. 
Uh, please continue to help this podcast feed grow, and please continue to share in the Star Wars love. A lot to celebrate, a lot to talk about always. One thing on my mind this week, and we're going to get to some hashtag questions from Spotlight Star Wars. That'll be the bulk of the show tonight. Uh, am I recording this a few days prior? Which, it's funny, I always say, you guys know I don't record this live. It's not a streaming show yet. Who knows? Maybe one day. Maybe somehow, some way. But uh, I always feel weird when I tell you guys, uh, I released this on Saturday, but I recorded it a Tuesday of the week prior. It's a weird thing I have to clear inside my own head sometimes. It's like I'm confessing a sin to you guys. I'm recording this on Wednesday, leaving town for the weekend, so I'm going to release this over the weekend. So I always uh, hate to... uh, Maybe one of the reasons I say that is because... I could be over here talking about something simple, and on Friday, it could be revealed that George Lucas is directing episode 10, and and then you you tune into this podcast, and and nowadays in media discussion, people want instant results, instant things, and, um, you know, it could be... uh, you could be like, Ken, you're crazy. George is directed episode 10, and I'm over here talking about A-Wings. Um, that's maybe why I clarify it more than anyway. But I'm out of town at the time that you're listening to this. I, I didn't want to talk about Star Wars, and I didn't want to put out a spotlight Star Wars while I was gone. And one thing on my mind, I finally finished the uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin uh, comic book uh, with Marvel. Five issues, little short run series, which is what Marvel's been doing for most of their titles. Uh, Han 1, Han Solo 1 is out. I haven't had a chance to pick it up yet. A little behind on my comics. I got to get up to it. Haven't had a chance to yet. Uh, but I finished this series, and uh, Charles Soleil is the writer. Art by Marco Cecchetto? Cecchetto? Marco Smith. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I don't know why my old age, I'm so bad with names. Charles and Marco put out this Star Wars Obi-Wan and Anakin comic, and it looks great. Uh, the series is an interesting con- concept. Set three years after Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, it focuses on Jedi Knight Obi-Wan Kenobi and his Padawan, Anakin Skywalker. So... Um, if it's three years after Phantom Menace, Anakin's in kind of in that preteen era. Got some pimples along with the uh, young bubbling rage. And it is a, an interesting concept, like I said, when it first came out or I first saw the title and the covers, all five of the covers are great. Um, the, uh, the concept grabbed me. Absolutely. What What is one of the things we love about the Clone Wars co- uh, cartoon? It's the play and the interplay and the friendship and the, and the repartee between Obi-Wan and Anakin. It's what we many of us felt was missing from, say, Attack of the Clones, uh, Revenge of the Sith. At times, it, it was better in Sith, right? Which is what everyone says about everything in any conversation about the prequels. Well, Sith was the best one. Um, I buy into the last 30 minutes of Revenge of the Sith, as discussed in my uh, Top 50 episode. Um, but even still, there was a little bit of that believability lacking in Sith too. Uh, underwritten, I don't know, just we were kind of told uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin have become great fan- friends, accepted. But in the Clone Wars cartoon, you start to see it, and there's a lot more moments, and of course the series has a lot more time than just a movie would to build up that relationship. So the idea of a Star Wars Obi-Wan and Anakin comic is a great concept, and it's set 
just enough after Phantom Menace where Anakin can actually do stuff and not just be a precocious kid learning things. Um, but uh, it's at, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's still young enough to where you got a lot of time, he's learning. Um, the series, for me, didn't grab me as much as I uh, would have wanted it. The concept, uh, except good, it takes a good, it takes a story to a remote planet. Uh, where a group of uh, people called Open and a group of people called Closed are on this planet, and they're in a a giant war. Um, And it's going on, and Obi-Wan and Anakin kind of get in the middle of that. There's a distress signal sent, and they're called to it, and uh, and, uh, adventures ensue, and it gets a little weird. So I'm not reviewing it, per se, but I wanted to talk about something that comes at the end of the series. So I will give you a bit of a spoiler warning. This is your spoiler warning. If you have not read the Obi-Wan and Anakin comic, now's your time to turn it off, go buy all five issues, or wait for the trade, and come back to this one. I don't mind if you do. I don't need the clicks and listens. I need you to feel like I'm not spoiling this. But there's something very interesting that comes in at the end of the comic, and I do mean towards the very end, some of the last few pages. While there's some stuff in the comic that I'll just say I didn't like, apologies to the author and the artist um, putting this story together, um, the art, spectacular, like I said, the covers are great, but it, it, it felt foreign, it, this was not a normal Star Wars world, art is beautiful, but it was so beautiful, it was so different that I didn't feel like I was in a normal Star Wars world, which was the point of it. It was a remote planet that's far away. It's off the beaten path. Obi-Wan and Anakin don't even know really where they are or what they're doing. And that's fine in something like Clone Wars. The Mortis episodes are completely outside of the Star Wars norm. So it's not an out, uh, all-out criticism. It's just it, it, it wasn't something I gravitated to. Um, but there's stuff that goes on. There's some intercuts and some flashbacks. And you get some stuff with Palpatine and Anakin that is just downright interesting. It's downright intriguing. And it is worth the read for this series. I absolutely suggest if you're on the fence, pick it up for this stuff. You might find some of the other stuff weird like I did. And a little out of place in Star Wars Galaxy. Or you might say, Ken, you're crazy. I loved it. Either or, buy it. Put more money into Star Wars. But the stuff with Palpatine and Anakin really does kind of help fill out that story. It really does kind of help build the turn of Vader, the turn of Anakin. It helps lay the, uh, lay the groundwork of what's to come, and that's important, I think. But at the very end, again, double spoiler warning. At one point in the series, Anakin is shown... Walking away from the Jedi Order. Breaking news. News at 11. Holonet at 11. Anakin is done. Doesn't get it. Basically says, I was a young kid. Qui-Gon was a wizard with a laser sword. You could have convinced me to do almost anything. I left my mother. Yeah, I was a slave. But almost saying he was taken advantage of. Who knows what I wanted? I was so young. That, that's kind of the themes that are being put out. I'm paraphrasing some of the stuff, but it's great. It's dark. It's serious. It's got some weight to it. He does out and out say something about, hey, Qui-Gon, a space wizard with a laser sword, basically. And uh, that's where the cracks start to fall. So he walks away from the Jedi Order. 
but he maybe doesn't. He comes back. It's it's resolved. Uh, he's kind of captured in the in, in the main story parts of these. He's captured, and so a lot of things are happening. A lot of stuff at play. I don't want to spoil it completely. It's not a full on review. Read it if if you're listening and and haven't. But at the very end, Obi Wan is talking with Yoda. And they're talking about the fact that Anakin is waffling on the Jedi Order. They're talking about the fact that Anakin maybe wants to head on down the road. And that he feels like he doesn't belong or he doesn't feel aligned with the Jedi Order. And they talk about the importance of keeping him in. The importance of him staying. And what's interesting is this idea that immediately adds some tension for me to particularly Revenge of the Sith, but any other... Obi-Wan and Anakin developments and stories in Star Wars that we've already seen and, and stories yet to come. Yoda talks about the price. That there is a price to pay. There is a consequence. If Anakin Skywalker leaves the Jedi Order, and he's still in a Padawan form, of course. He's still a student. He's still learning. He is the Padawan, and Obi-Wan is his mentor. And Yoda talks about the consequence of it and asks Obi-Wan if he understands. And Obi-Wan says he does. That if Anakin leaves the Jedi Order, Obi-Wan will have to leave as well. It's towards the end, and it blew my mind a little bit. It's something that definitely, if it's been introduced elsewhere, I am not aware of it. And I'm not saying I'm the be-all, end-all of Star Wars knowledge, but I haven't heard it. I haven't heard it discussed. It was new, new to me, new to this, new to the story, and I loved it. So while the five issues weren't my favorite at times and had some things that I wasn't completely buying as part of the Star Wars story, there's an underlying thread here, an underlying serious thread that is, I think, great. And the fact that there's this concept that the Master and Apprentice, Master and Padawan, carries this extra weight so that when you take on the training of a Padawan, you're really invested. You have to make this work. But it opens up a lot of concepts and a lot of questions about, well, if that's the case, would a Jedi Knight pass a Padawan through the system, even if he knew he wasn't a good Jedi because he wanted to keep his job? Is this tenured professorial teaching? As I stumble over my words. It's an extra weight. Now there's consequence. And again, if it's out there and has been out there before, even in expanded universe stuff, please let me know. Write me on Twitter. Write me on Facebook. Let me know. I'm curious. I want to read more about it if it is out there. I want to research it. I love this concept. It makes sense. So that when Dooku talks about his master was Yoda, when Qui-Gon talks about his master, Dooku, there's weight to those relationships. There's weight to them. Now, it seems to me that it only matters when he's a Padawan, that once Anakin becomes a a Jedi uh, official, graduates, gets his diploma, and his laser sword, special laser sword, he already has one, you know what I mean, that, uh, hey, Obi-Wan's free, did his job. So, say, later on, when someone like Ahsoka leaves... She leaves the Jedi Order on her own volition at a point where she was uh, past the training. She no longer snips at that point when she's leaving. So Anakin faces no consequences. There's also a different time and different circumstances for sure when Ahsoka Tano left the Jedi Order. 
So I like this concept. I like the weight behind it. So that I like. Now, when you go back and you watch Phantom Menace, and trust me, at some point you will, even if you think you don't, we all at one point pop it in again and say, I'm going to watch me some episode one. If you do, and get to the point where post-Qui-Gon's death, Obi-Wan agrees to take on Anakin as his Padawan learner, you know now that there is an absolute weight to that decision. Now, Anakin might do it, excuse me, Obi-Wan might have done that as more of an ode to Qui-Gon than a belief in Anakin, which is another interesting thing to their relationship. I've always taken it as that. I don't believe that the end of The Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan's like, uh, you know what, sorry I was doubting you earlier, kid. Qui-Gon's right. You're good to go. Join up. I don't think that was the case. I really don't think that was the case. I think Obi-Wan was more attached to Qui-Gon, and he witnessed him die, was affected by his death, and Qui-Gon's like, hey, do me the solid. Pick up this kid's training. I think he's the chosen one. And we've talked on Force Center about uh, destiny and free will, and we're going to be talking more about the prophecy, and maybe the Jedi got it wrong, so listen for that on Force Center soon. Scrimshaw and I go in deep on it. So, I think in, in that scene, in those moments, it's Obi-Wan saying, I'll, I'll help my master. I have an affection for my master, and he's passed on. I'm going to carry on the weight of his goal. But now he had this wrinkle. He had to have known what he was doing. By taking on this little temperamental kid, this desert rat we found, could cost me my place, my well-earned place. My freshly earned place. Obi-Wan is still there as a, as a begins Phantom Menace as, as a Padawan, lest we forget, because that's the first time we heard the term. Right there in the beginning. A wonderful beginning of Phantom Menace. So interesting. It's interesting, and I love it, and I don't want to go too much more into it. It's a great discussion. I want to put it out to you guys there. Have you ever heard this theory before? Familiar with it? Do you like it? Do you think it adds some weight to both the in-story narrative, the the decision made by Obi-Wan, and just overall as a fan, do you go back and say, ah, that adds a little bit more tension and a little bit more stakes to the Anakin and Obi-Wan relationship and story as it develops through the prequel years? Or maybe you're like, you know what, don't care, doesn't affect anything. I want to hear that too. It's an interesting thing, interesting thing that just kind of popped up kind of subtly, kind of quietly, in uh, Star-, Star Wars, Obi-Wan, and Anakin. Available on Marvel Comics. I want to take some of your questions on Spotlight Star Wars. The hashtag that we use, you can follow me on Twitter, at Knapsock, and you can follow this podcast feed on Force Center Pod, at Force Center Pod, all right? Yeah, all right. Here's your questions. A lot of questions coming in. A lot of questions coming in, and I'm scrolling down. Here we go. Ryan at Mr. Lucky Toad checks in. Ryan checking in using the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. He wrote back a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago, actually. Ooh, look at that timestamp. If you could own one prom from any Star Wars movie, what would you pick? A lightsaber, right? That's what we all would say? Like a realistic lightsaber? Like, give me Luke's lightsaber from Jet. No. I'd like it, but no. Ryan, I'm thinking. 
I'm thinking, and you know what I want? I'll tell you what I want. I want, you can look it up, Google this. There is a picture from uh, the era of Return of the Jedi. It's in a lot of making of magazines. Uh, the, the picture still shows up. And it was in that uh, it was in that Return of the Jedi magazine I have that our friend of the show Darren had sent me as a gift. I loved it. Uh, I had it as a kid. Um, it is George Lucas. He's got a little sweater vest on. He's got his plaid shirt on, his long sleeve. He's in his blue jeans. It's George as we know and love him. But a younger Return of the Jedi era George, and he is pointing at a large scale Death Star two model. It is a giant unfinished Death Star. And I've loved that picture. Loved it as a kid because I studied because it was the first time you could kind of see the Death Star uh, by itself, not in space, not on screen, not in in story picture of the Death Star, the second Death Star. It, it's it, it was set apart as a kid. I'd studied the the uh, the Death Star in construction. There was something that fascinated with me with the idea that the, the Death Star was being built. It's like before Kevin Smith said it in Clerks. It's like I I was like who's who's building that? Who's is it? Stormtroopers? Are the stormtroopers on patrol? But also building. I was a kid. I was fascinated with that aspect. Even then, so I would like to have that. It would probably not fit in my house, or I'd have to get another room to put it on display. It's pretty sizable. It's it's pretty big right next to George. You can Google that picture, find it, but that is the prop that I would take, Mr. Lucky Toad. Thank you for the question. Next question comes from Chase McLean at C. McLean 15. Chase asks me, uh, why can Yoda sense the Order 66 attack from behind, but the other Jedi Masters can't? Fair question, and I think the immediate easy answer, Chase, is that Yoda's just that much more powerful. He's that much more in tune to the Force. That's what would make sense to me. The other thing, the other thought I have, beyond just that, hey, Yoda's pretty good at this stuff, um, is that I guess we believe, we can believe that all this happened at once, that all the clones got the order at once. We see Commander Cody get it first, but it's not like it went out in that order that we saw it. You weren't seeing these shots all at the same time. So we had to see them in some sort of order. But maybe, and follow along with me here, Chase, and those listening, maybe some of the deaths happened first. You know, I don't know. Maybe the Emperor's transmission hit other places in the first. Some people had bad reception. I don't know. So maybe the, the clones on Kashyyyk got the message slightly few minutes, few seconds after, say, the deaths of Plo Koon and Ayla Secura and Kiati Mundi. Particularly Kiati Mundi, because that's a powerful Jedi as well. He he's a leader. He is entrenched on the Jedi Council. So for him to be killed from behind by his men it's shocking. It's sad. It's part of the tragedy. And he sh- should have sensed it. So Number one, I just think Yoda's way more in tune with the Force. But maybe these deaths happen first, split seconds before, four or five seconds before, and maybe, much like, say, Obi-Wan in A New Hope, who feels the the weight of the death of all the people on Alderaan when the Death Star destroys that planet, 
I always took it as maybe Yoda was feeling some of those things going on. That his heart was heavy. That the force was telling him something has gone wrong. Something is amiss. And then right there he picks up on what it is. And in one of the better scenes of the prequels, takes out the clones. Some vicious lightsaber hacks. And saves himself. Uh, So Chase, I don't know if that's the official answer. But that's my answer. That's what I think. Just a little bit more powerful, a little bit more in tune, and maybe, just maybe, had a little bit of an advance warning. Wolfgang Kopenhofer wrote me in uh, June 9th, a while back, uh, says, hey, it might be a good subject for the next Spotlight Star Wars, uh, and he put a link to this story going around about eight other people who already stole the Death Star plans. It's kind of in response to Rogue One. It wasn't a negative piece. It wasn't a hit piece on Rogue One, but it does talk about, hey, Rogue One's establishing, establishing this new canon, but really this has already happened before. Uh, maybe we can go into it another time on Force Center. Maybe some guests would be interesting. It gets into a lot of EU stuff I'm, I'm not quite um, familiar with, but some of it I did, and it's a great uh, thing. I loved it. Thank you for sharing, Wolfgang. Uh, I, I, I took it in. Um, but my general feel on that, i got to address that. My general feel is that uh, I love that I'm a fan of reestablishing new canon. I'm a, I'm a fan of getting to start over, and... Um, I, I think uh, I think it's good that Rogue One will tell the real story now, or tell it anew and make it official, so we don't have to get caught up in Dash Rendar or Crix Maidine or whoever was doing it elsewhere. It's fascinating though, and I love it. And it's definitely it proves though that it's been talked about eight other times. It's it's proved that it's an important thing for Star Wars fans, and that it's a, a great concept. And topic to come out of the gate with on Rogue One. Next question from Colt. Colt Badoo, check it in. Uh, he is using the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars to ask me, do you think Ray is a form of Jaina Solo from the Expanded Universe stories and went back and read older EU and fell in love with her character? Colt, I'm not that familiar with the Solo twins. I, I think it's well documented now. After the Jedi Academy series, I kind of stopped. And so uh, the Solo Twins were born by then, but uh, certainly not uh, used to a point where I uh, could get to know them as well as you and many other people. I obviously was very much aware of the Solo Twins and uh, was quite certain for an early uh, point on in the Episode 7 process that that's what we were going to get, that I just couldn't think of any other way. We're going to get Solo Twins of some kind. And uh, who knows, maybe, slight chance, we still have. We just don't know it yet. Um, So, do I think Rey is a form of the character? I haven't heard anything official on this. Um, It's definitely, it's clear that The Force Awakens takes some nod from the stories, uh, expanding universe. It's not not heavy by any means, but, you know, calling Kylo Ren Ben is is definitely an ode to expanded universe stuff, uh, a little bit different um, with Ben Skywalker. Um, So I think it's there, but I don't think, I don't think Abrams and and Arndt and and, and Kasdan, I don't think any of those guys really based Ray on anything too direct from the expanded universe, uh, as good as Jada Solo may, may be. Uh, but I think Ray is of her own creation, and which I love, and that's well documented too. So uh, lucky for us, there's two great Star Wars characters, uh, young female characters that we get to fall in love with. Again, you can still read that that expanded universe stuff 
it still exists, and it's still important to you if you want it to be. So, uh, Colt, that's my answer on that. I think Ray is very much her own character. Ryan McKenna at RM McKenna19. Do you think Black Series figures should be more accessible, or, or do you like that they can be tough to find? I don't like that they can be tough to find, Ryan. I love that they can be tough to find. I was just at Disneyland not too long ago down here in Anaheim, California, and I went to the uh, you know the Star Star Wars uh, gift shop they got there now, and a lot of stuff on display. Got my picture with Kylo Ren. Got my picture with Kylo. It was fun. Um, but I popped into the store there just to see what they have, and they had the Ahsoka Tano Black Series figure. They also had the uh, the Kanan Star Wars uh, Black Series figure. And I got the Ahsoka one. Uh, the price was good because I've seen it on- online higher, and I was excited. When I turned the corner and saw it, my eyes lit up like a 10-year-old on a Christmas morn, and I grabbed the figure. Looked for the price after I was at the cash register. It, it was exciting. So if I- every time I went to Target... There was 15 Ahsoka Tanos there. I just wouldn't be as excited. Um, there Instead, there's 15 Constable Zuvios and Resistance Fighters, and I haven't bought those ones yet. Uh, but I do like and I understand why the figure manufacturers do this kind of stuff. Supply and demand. Create that desire. Create that need. It's dirty underhand tricks for sure, but I like it. It's kind of a fun game. I'm not a full-on big toy collector like, say, a Mike Black, uh, but I do like the little game they play. It's fun. I just ordered uh, and got from uh, the Internet uh, 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 Black Series three-quarter-inch Ray figure from Jakku. It's a great figure. Got it for a good price. I haven't really seen it anywhere else. It was off the shelf so fast because it was so popular and probably not a lot of characters there, a lot of figures made. And it was great. It was fun. So, Ryan, I like that they're tough to find. That is part of it for sure. Um, Another question. You guys are coming in with some uh, good questions. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Questions here. Imperial Podcasting. Patrick Barman checking in and do us a favor. Of course, our friends at Imperial Pod do a lot of great Star Wars shows. I was recently a guest on Patrick's Grand Moff Radio Hour, so take a listen to that. Will he asks, Will we see the destruction of the Falcon or does that cross the line? Ooh. I think that crosses the line, Patrick. It's not like the Enterprise in Star Trek. We're kind of used to seeing that go. And it's sad when it goes. What is that, Star Trek 2? 3? I'm not as good with the Treks. Is it 3 that the, the Enterprise first goes down in a big fashion? Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, 3, right? Because Christopher Lloyd's playing the lead Klingon and the ship self-destructs. That was a sad moment. And I'm not even a giant Star Trek fan. It was a sad moment. But we've seen it again. And I, and I think we're going to see it again in the next one. In uh, Star Trek Beyond. And I'm fine with it. Not slagging on Star Trek. No one tells Scott Mance that I did that, all right? Or Dan Merle. I, I'm not slagging on it. Uh, but we've seen the destruction of the Enterprise before. We haven't really seen that. We've seen it in small doses with the Falcon. The Falcon's taken its, taken its lumps. But we haven't seen the full-on destruction, and I would hate to see the destruction of the Falcon. I hope the Falcon lives on forever. I hope at the end of 9, it is there. And if they do at 10, 11, and 12, and the Falcon shows up, I'm happy. I like that the Falcon has some uh, well-placed cameos in other places, most notably in uh, the prequels. Uh, you could see it sliding on in uh, during one course and shot. I like that. I like that stuff. The ship is its own character. I was emotional when it popped back in The Force Awakens, even though we knew. and I was emotional the first time you saw it in the teaser trailer for Force Awakens. We talked about it and breaking down that on some other shows. That it was uh, Seeing the Falcon was just as powerful as seeing Han or Chewie or Luke or any of those other things. I'm telling you, it really was. That's why they chose it. 
The Falcon is a character, and it would be tough. If the Falcon goes, I'm crying. Maybe even more than the death of Han Solo. There I said it. I got it off my chest. Great question, Patrick. Ryan Wren. A lot of Ryans checking in. We have a lot of Ryans listening to the show. Add Falcon Gunner 33. Are you confused and disappointed as I am that there are new ships in Rogue One, but not many in The Force Awakens? A little bit. It's definitely been brought up by me and Scrimshaw and a lot of other people that, hey, we got new TIE fighters. They got a new paint job and a little bit of new design. We got the X-Wings. Uh, they got some cool new paint jobs on some of them and a little bit of uh, change in the design in the wings, but that was about it. I like Ren's ship. Leia's little cool command ship is is uh, is cool. Cool. Cool ship being cool. Um, yeah, disappointed. Confused, not so much. I think it had a little bit to do with creating a warm, friendly, familiar environment. And The Force Awakens, very clearly, uh, that was part of the movie's goals. Welcome back to the Star Wars universe. It's new, it's bigger, it's bold, but it is still the Star Wars you love. We got your TIE Fighters and you got your X-Wings. Uh, 30 years have passed, right, since the return of the Jedi and Force Awakens? If you had told me that those ships, TIE Fighters and X-Wings, just didn't exist at all, and you had the new ships, the C-Wings and the Super Ties, or whatever you want to call them, and they look totally different, I would have believed it, because 30 years of technology changing and improving, look what we got here on Earth, in our own galaxy. Look at the phone in your hand, and look at the one you had in your hand just 5, 6, 7, 8, 10 years ago. Things change. Technology gets better. So, if anything, I was slightly confused why we had the same things and they weren't vastly different and improved. Like, shouldn't the X-Wings have a cloaking device or something now? Shouldn't it be something cool like like that? Uh, as far as variety ships, disappointed. But again, I understand it. It was creating that familiar environment. And I think we're going to get some of those more in 8. Colin Morse. The underscore Seamorse asks, using the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars, could you ever see a Jedi Academy series on Netflix to reach a, a younger audience beyond animation? And uh, I think this is uh, referring to like a live action show. We're going to get it. I think eventually we're going to get a good live action Star Wars show. Netflix would be a great spot. You see what Marvel's done with their Netflix shows. Absolutely like it. Absolutely think it's possible. I'm looking forward to the day. And a Jedi Academy series whether based loosely on the Kevin J. Anderson series of novels or just its own thing, would be interesting. Um, I could see it in a weird way. I could see it involving Luke if you do it set back a few years. Um, maybe it ends with uh, Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren doing their damage. But I also could see it maybe taking place after Nine. Maybe by the end of Episode Nine, we're in a position to have a whole new generation of Jedis trained by someone else. Uh, who knows? Ray, Leia, a still alive Luke? We don't know. A converted Kylo Ren? We don't know. I could see that and I could be interested in it. I still think, and I get asked a lot, that if, uh, if, uh, if I had my druthers, the Netflix or, or live action series I'd want is absolutely Old Republic. That is where I think you go into it. A movie would be tough. A series of movies uh, you could easily do be nice but the story as we know it is so expansive it's so large it's so wide and sweeping and i say that in good way because it's so wide and sweeping i've yet to really even take in the old republic i i, I was just getting into it 
read the first Bane novel finally when new canon exploded and there was a new book every month and I just had to put it aside. Um, officially not canon yet, but I think those stories are still important. I think those stories will carry over in some way that even if they do a, a brand new Old Republic series, they'll still base it strongly on what was established before. I absolutely. So uh, I think that's what I'd rather see, but I could see a Jedi Academy one. It's a definitely a good series. Um, Good series idea. Something I can get myself around. Same vein. Same vein. Question from Thane Kyrell, straight from Lost Stars. Would it be too corny, he asked, would it be too corny to have Ray, Finn, and Poe all be Force users and form a new Jedi Order? So this is, uh, you know, I, I don't think Finn and Poe are Force users. Maybe Finn is. Nah, I mean, nah, I think he just held that lightsaber. I, I think we've established Finn isn't. Who knows? We could be wrong. I don't think Poe is, but who knows? We could be wrong. But this is a fantasy question. And um, do I think it's corny? No. Nah, I don't think it's corny. I just maybe, I don't gravitate to that. I don't need everyone to be Jedis. But I could see it. And form a new Jedi Order. And maybe that ties into Colin Morris's question. And maybe we get a Jedi Academy series. With Ray Finn and Poe at the helm. Jedi Academy movies. Ray Finn and Poe at the helm. I don't think, think it would happen. But it would be interesting. We definitely. We definitely need. And I definitely believe somehow, some way. We're going to get more Jedi. We're going to get more force sensitive people. It, it can't just be Ray, Luke, Kinda Leia, because she's not practicing, and uh, Kylo Ren and Snoke can't be the Maz cannot uh, familiar with it. We we can't have those be the only Force users in the galaxy. The Force has awoke. I'm sure the Force will awake in others, and I'm excited. That's something that uh, you know. I don't think we really focus on or think about Episode Eight. It could include Luke finding others. It could include the emergence of other Force users. So in that case, you wouldn't need necessarily Finn and Poe to join Rey in forming a new Jedi Order. could be Rey and some new friends that we've yet to meet. Final question, Tom T. At Thu underscore Stain. Thu Stain. He asks, how will Luke be used in Episode 8? I'd say he's more powerful than any, any antagonist, but conflicted to join the fight. I think you're right. I don't think 8 begins with Ray holding out the lightsaber and Luke saying, Good, so glad you're here. Uh, definitely did not seem what Episode 7 set up. I think he will he will be conflicted. I think he is still more powerful. I think he's the most powerful Force user left and in the galaxy, uh, no matter how many others there are. And I think... Luke is going to be conflicted and a little bit resistive at first, but I think he's very early, very clearly, he cannot deny what he has in front of him, and he cannot deny that he must rejoin the fight, that it is now important. Han's gone. Leia's floundering with the resistance. Snoke is rising in power. Starkiller base is destroyed, but the First Order goes on, and Kylo Ren will emerge, I'm sure, as a new, more powerful, still in-transition threat. And I still think you make Benicio Del Toro a bad guy, and you still make him uh, a right-hand man for Snoke. So I think Luke is going to get back in there. I I know we're going to get some uh, training. See, he's tweeted out that he and Daisy really tweeted out that uh, Instagram photo um, of of her carrying Luke like he's Yoda. So we're going to get that training. We're going to need that training. And I think Ray. It's a long way to go, 
good rookie, came out swinging in her first at-bat in her first game, got some big hits, but still has a lot to learn. So I think Luke, I think you're right, Tom, conflicted, but he's going to join. He's Luke Skywalker, Mother F's. He's going to be there. Guys, that is enough for me today. Great questions. Thanks for participating. I appreciate it. Appreciate you listening. It's always fun talking Star Wars with you guys here on Spotlight Star Wars and the Force Center podcast feed. Do us a favor. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. You can find us on Podomatic and Stitcher. And we soon, we hope, will be on Google Play. Some submission issues there. I am turning old. I'm having trouble with technology. We'll get on Google Play soon enough. You can like us on Facebook. Like I said, follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod and follow me at Ken Napsuck. If you have a question, comment, or want to just talk Star Star Wars with me, you can use the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars to do just that. So until next time, this has been Spotlight Star Wars. May that force thing kind of sort of always remain around you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. 
But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.